keeps is a, a way for you to keep your hair. I mean, look at my hair. Look it at my is. Hair. It is luxurious. It your is, hair. isn't it? It's a luxurious mane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now look at your hair. Mm-hmm. You, you. I mean, do you want to look like him? It's, I mean, you know what he's going to look like when his hair is white like mine? <laughs> yeah, probably pretty uh, bad. Homer Simpson. Yeah. Homer Simpson. You Un- think? Yeah. Unless you've gone to Keeps. Oh, okay. Keeps has uh, more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. Hundreds of thousands of guys trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention. All you have to do is answer a few questions online, snap a couple of pictures of your hair, and a licensed doctor reviews your information, recommends the right hair loss treatment for you, then ships it to your door. You don't have to move. Uh, just, which might be causing other problems in your life besides hair loss. But Keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash save. Get 50% off your first order of hair loss treatments at Keeps. Keeps.com slash save. America and welcome to the Glenn Beck program. There is a lot to report on today. First, I mean, Adam Schiff weeps and the world laughs. Uh, it's the uh, January 6th hearings yesterday. Two congressmen could not control their emotions. They were so upset by it. Uh, and I think that's fantastic. I really, I really do. Um, I'm not one to make fun of people crying unless you really don't have anything to cry about. You know what I'm saying? I'll give you something to cry about. That's what my father would have said uh, yesterday. We're going we're gonna to talk about that this hour. Ben Shapiro is joining us on the show. We're going to talk a lot about authoritarianism. And we, we begin with the growing state in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. All right. If you have a mortgage on your home, there is a good chance you can find a better rate or, you know, more comfortable loan terms right now. The market is still in your favor and getting rates under three percent is still possible. Federal Housing Finance Agency has gotten rid of the adverse market fee. So you have even a better chance of saving the kind of money that can really make a difference in your monthly savings. If you're the fiscally responsible type, um, you know that a constant worry during your working years is that by the time you're ready to retire, you won't be able to. And there's a ton of reasons why that's a healthy fear to have. I don't know if any of us are going to be able to retire right now. The government wants you to take loans out. They want you to take loans out. And so they're making it very, very easy to take loans out because what they want you to do is save 200, 300, 500, even a thousand dollars a month, and then go take that money and go spend it. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take those greedy SOBs and I'd like you to borrow the money at a lower interest rate and then use that money to pay things off. Imagine if you had $1,000 a month, how fast you could pay your mortgage off if you just took that 1000 and you applied it to the mortgage without the interest. Just write, pay down the uh, principal. You can do this with your credit cards, your, uh, your home mortgage. 
It is a really, really good thing that I think you should you should look into today by calling American Financing at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Tonight on the Wednesday night special at 9 p.m., this is a must-watch on Blaze TV. I am focusing on an alarming new strategy from the White House. It's something that America barely even noticed when it was released last month. We did, and we started our researchers looking into it. Big media just rubber-stamped it with their approval. But it was put together by the National Security Council, and it is a blueprint for sweeping government action called the National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism. With zero focus on movements like BLM and Antifa, which has caused over a billion dollars in physical damage in the last year and how many people have died. Zero focus on ransomware attacks from Russia and China and zero focus on the ongoing threats from radical Islamic terrorist groups. This national strategy declares America's greatest national security threat to be violent extremists, principally those who promote the superiority of the white race. Now, those guys have always been a problem. Um and I don't I'm not for white supremacy. You're no friend of mine if you're a white supremacist. You're an idiot. And if you're a violent white supremacist, you'll get your you're a Nazi. So I don't really know what to say about those guys other than I've always been against them and I think most people are. This White House strategy, however, has disturbing implications for the constitutional rights of all Americans as we're already seeing governments as if surveillance systems turning uh, their focus on us, the U.S. citizen. The Capitol uh, riots on January 6th, foolish, tragic, awful. Everybody I know was against it. But predictably, the White House and the U.S. national security apparatus are seizing that event to redefine domestic terrorism. That is exactly, that's all this thing, this hearing is about. To expand the powers of government to prevent you from speaking. You need to know about their new blueprint for big government and big tech to surveil, root out, and silence all of America's quote-unquote deplorables, all in the name of national security. Tonight is a very important Wednesday night special. If you are not subscribed to The Blaze, please subscribe now. Uh, you can subscribe at blazetv.com, and uh, you can also watch this on Blaze TV YouTube. It's Biden's new domestic terrorism threat. You. Make sure you use the promo code Glenn, and you'll save 10% on tonight's special. Now, let me go through a couple of things that we're not going to have time to cover, and this should tell you something. Big Tech uh, has now... Uh, partnered with the government, the biggest U.S. Tax, uh, tech companies, including Facebook, Microsoft, they are expanding the types of extremist content shared between firms in a key database. This is part of the national strategy. So here's what they're doing. The group will add attacker manifestos, often shared by sympathizers after white supremacist violence. Can you tell me, Stu, the last white supremacist violence that you saw in the news? 
Maybe uh, Charlottesville. Other than a few of the people of January sixth. Yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, uh, not there's not not a big factor in our country. There no, are not a lot of white supremacists in our nation. I know this is shocking to the mainstream media. Uh, so here's the thing: uh, they are now they're now working together, and they will use lists from intelligence sharing group Five Eyes. Do you know what Five Eyes is? Come on, Five Eyes. Anybody? Five Eyes are. And I'm going to I'm going to blow this here, but it's uh, France, Australia, England, the United States. Maybe Germany. I can't remember, but it's the biggest Western uh, intelligence group. So our CIA, you know, MI6, uh, they work together and it's five eyes. Canada is is one of them. Uh, and we share all of the information as much as we care to share. Well, now we're sharing a database of extremists and those who are anti-government. It's hmm. uh, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, New UK, Zealand, and right. the United States. Okay. All right. Uh, anyway, so we are now playing with counter-terrorism organizations. And they are now starting to um, uh, access a global database, and they're getting input from Reddit, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, Verizon Media, Microsoft, LinkedIn, Dropbox. All of that is going to a global database. Is this a is this a problem? Is this a problem? And by the way, at the same time, these high tech companies are saying that you're lying. And if you're lying about things, they're going to they're going to make sure that your disinformation or misinformation of specifically about the virus, that if you are not telling the truth on that, you're going to be banned. Well, you know, it's really, really weird. Um, if you were looking at uh if you were watching the internet at all, you might have heard about this person that just left the F- the ER, and that when they were in the hospital there for COVID, they they saw that we are officially being crushed by this Delta variant. It is it's much more dangerous uh, than ever before, and it's it's somebody who wrote this just left the ER. Um. Unfortunately, that's not true because that exact message is being tweeted out by several people. And we're kind of wondering who did that? And where are the fact checkers on this one? Who is who is uh, putting out propaganda and pushing that out? So everybody goes and worries about the uh, Delta um, uh, virus. Hmm. Who's doing that? Because Twitter is all over misinformation. In fact, yesterday, Twitter suspended the 2020 election audit accounts. Now, these for multiple states, they banned accounts linked to the official 2020 election audits. These are the official state uh, accounts. So they just thought that they should ban the audit war room in Wisconsin, uh, in Nevada, in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, 
But other than that, don't worry about it. And I guess this happened because uh, Ken Bennett, who is the GOP secretary of state in Arizona, he is the liaison to the ongoing audit. And he came out last week and he said, I can't be a part of a process where I'm kept out of the critical aspects along the way to make the audit legitimate and have integrity when we produce the final report. He said, I've been asking, how are you coming up with these numbers? What are the things? And he's now been banned from this. He said, I, I can't vouch for a final product unless there's transparency and I can see how they're coming to these conclusions. I don't know if that's what led to the Twitter ban, but Twitter makes wants to make sure that you don't know what is happening with the audit. The U.N., has just greenlit a big tech mega database to censor American extremists online. Big tech, uh, it was a uh, group led by the most powerful and the most influential online. Um, they are going to broaden now their shared censorship data to curb extremist content and collect video and images deemed white supremacist, according to Reuters. The expansion comes after the group took on renewed urgency after January 6th. Facebook, Microsoft, Twitter, YouTube, tech oligarchs trigger happy to de-platform political dissidents founded the Global Internet Forum to counter terrorism in 2017. It's a new, according to them, collective effort to prevent the spread of terrorist and violent extremist content online. You know, we never did any of these things for... Anybody else? Anybody else? Antifa? Over a billion dollars of damage they have. Could you look up how many people have died in all of these Antifa riots? How many it's police dozens. officers? Yeah, dozens. Uh, dozens. Yeah. Dozens. Dozens. Airbnb is now in this, pledging to prevent hate groups from visiting uh, Washington, D.C. MailChimp is using its power to deplatform opinions it doesn't like. Pinterest and Instagram, Instagram have banned uh, Donald Trump. This is a growing problem in the United States. And the problem really stems from people who absolutely believe that they are right. New York Times, a New York Times reporter. This is not an opinion person. Her name is Katie Benner. She yesterday deleted tweets calling for Trump supporters to be considered enemies of the state, enemies of the state, Trump supporters. She said that uh, the January 6th committee has to do this to combat the national security threats within the country. And the solution is to target the voters of the former president. Now, she deleted because she said they were, you know, unclearly worded. Well, here's what she wrote. Today's January 6th select committee underscores America's current essential national security dilemma. Work to combat legitimate national security threats now entails calling a politician's supporters enemies of the state. As Americans, we believe state power should not be used to work against a political figure or a political party. But what happens if a politician seems to threaten the state? If that politician continues to do so out of office and his entire party supports that threat? That's not unclearly worded. We know exactly what she means. 
They're also going back now and talking more about mask mandates. A good portion of America is not going to do it. They're just not going to do it. Here's the truth. We are a nation clearly divided. We are a nation that doesn't believe in blind justice anymore. If we did, this hearing would have people who disagreed with each other on the panel. And Adam Schiff would be nowhere near it. We're being told now we have to vaccinate, which I have no problem with vaccination. I currently have antibodies and the antibodies are shown by science to be better than the than the um, uh, inoculation. So when I feel like I need it, I'm going to take the vaccine. It's not a problem. I'm not giving it to my kids, but I don't have a problem taking the vaccine. But see, this is not about the vaccine. This is not about saving people. None of this is. This is not about stopping violence on the streets. This is not about stopping people who don't like uh, the government in power. It's not. Otherwise, you'd be going after Antifa as well, because they they are claiming they want an end to the Constitution and an end to capitalism and an end to this government. All right. So why are we looking into them? Because that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for the truth. We're looking for a political uh, viewpoint that is being deemed the truth. And anything that stands against it is evil, is wrong, is a danger to society. And you have to fear whatever it is. You fear that. You notice, as we have said almost every day this week, it is black and Hispanics, for the most part, that are not getting vaccinated. It's not Trump supporters alone. And many Trump supporters have already gotten the vaccine. But why are we made to feel that it's white extremists, that it's white people who voted for Donald Trump that are the problem here? That's not. This is all about fear. Everything they do is about fear. And the lockdown has turned fear into a virtue. I want you to listen carefully to this. Because this is the problem. Those who are afraid to believe they're better people than those who aren't. And will subconsciously look for ways to multiply fear because that is is their virtue they believe they're better people and everything in our society is saying yes if you agree with crt if you agree with marxism if you agree with you know anti-white whatever that's a virtue fear fear is their virtue that's why when you go up into places where they are like New York, they are terrified when you walk in without a mask. Terrified. They're completely irrational. But it's a virtue. Uh, let me tell you about Built.com. Did you hear what Boris Johnson is doing in England? 
he is he is now uh, putting together his own little uh, junk food credit score. Wait until you hear this. <laughs> you want to talk about authoritarian? And it's all because he's getting in shape. And so he wants to lead the nation into getting in shape. Oh, so he can force everybody. Hmm. Uh, I want you to know, Built Bar is good for you. It will help you lose weight. It'll help you keep the weight off. It'll help you keep healthy. But it does it in a candy bar. It does it in a really, really good 100% chocolate Candy bar is the only way I can ex- describe it. It's not right to say it's a protein bar, even though that technically is what it is. I think it's a candy bar. Um, here is the here's the great thing. Right now, they have nine different flavors. You can get a mix box. You can try two of each of the nine flavors, and they are really, truly amazing. I, I mean, you should do it. They should do a mounds test. You know, Almond Joy has nuts. Mounds don't. So it would be mounds. They're, they're coconut bar. I don't think you can tell the difference. Built Bar. You can find them at built.com. Use the promo code BEC15. Save 15% off your next order. Uh, your mouth and your body is going to thank you for it. It's built.com. Promo code BEC15. 10 seconds. Station ID. I want to tell you about what's coming uh, starting in England now, uh, and it is coming our way, but I'm going to run out of time. Let me tell you about first what happened with the U.S. Court of Appeals. The Tenth Circuit uh, on Monday said a Christian web designer who lives in Colorado has to create websites that she says violates her religious beliefs. This is so un-American When you say, I have a right to my own conscience, and they say, no, you don't. And the reason why the court is saying is because she's the best. She's the one everybody wants. And if she doesn't do it, then they're going to get something, you know, not quite as good. Well, couldn't I say that about Starbucks? When Starbucks says you have to wear a mask, and they say, well, then you just can't come in if you don't want to wear a mask or you're not vaccinated. Yeah, but Starbucks is the best. I'm 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 relegated to a substandard uh, coffee shop. Really? This is the Glenn Beck program. I am not a person who believes in censorship from the outside. I do believe in censoring my own stuff. You know what I'm watching, what I'm listening to. It's our responsibility as an individual. Or in the case of kids, it's the responsibility of parents. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but Hollywood loves to make things that are great. But the language, the violence, the adult content, uh, I'm a little overwhelmed. I don't know when everything became pornographic. There is a service out there called VidAngel, and they give you control over the content in your home. They, they give you the opportunity to set filters for exactly what you want to see or what you don't want to see in your home. VidAngel works with most movies and TV on Amazon Prime and Netflix. It's so smooth, you hardly even notice it. Check out VidAngel today. I think you're going to love it. Your family will love it. You can watch the shows you want to watch without any of the crap that you don't want. VidAngelBeck.com. 
Use the promo code BEC1. You get VidAngel for a month for free for all. I'm uh, sorry, for only a dollar. BEC1, VidAngel, BEC.com. Back to back, Studios America, Glenn TV tonight on Blaze TV starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck program. Welcome uh, to Mr. Pat Gray. We want to talk a little bit about the hearing yesterday in Washington, D.C., which um, I have a really very difficult time. Uh, Could we please play Adam Schiff? I have a problem with Adam Schiff even being on this committee Mm -hmm. or even being in Congress at this point. Mm -hmm. But here he is with all of the credibility on what January 6th was really all about better the next time god help us mm. and if we're so driven by bigotry and hate that we attack our fellow citizens as traitors mm. Pat? if they're born in another country or they don't look like us <laughs> sorry i'm so emotional he's actually crying here is he yeah is he <laughs> squeezing out the tears <laughs> god help us god help us exactly, but exactly i have faith because of folks like you yeah okay yeah. so he has faith oh, because of oh my people like that are testifying yesterday are you okay Pat? Faith. i'm not i'm uh, not Pat does not look okay it's too emotional so I, you, do you know that they actually moved barricades <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hang on just a second. A podium, think, a podium was I, taken. I, I, <laughs> Don't take our podiums, please, by all that is good, right, and holy. Don't abscond with the podium. There was a lot of absconding going on. Uh, here's the here, here's the thing. First of all, I think both sides are in a state of delusion um and i think because everybody has whipped everybody up into a frenzy mm-hmm. and it's not when i say everybody's whipped up no really only the media and the politicians in washington have whipped everybody up by calling this the worst attack on <laughs> on american institutions since the civil war oh, is so ridiculous yes. we all i was horrified Mm -hmm. my wife was horrified everyone i know Mm -hmm. was horrified while this was going on we were horrified that we're like where's the president where's the president why isn't the president coming out we were horrified that he didn't immediately Mm -hmm. get on and say stop it we don't do this stop it okay that's true now this is from the group of people who also were horrified that nobody in Seattle, nobody in Portland, nobody in the rest of the country, it seems, actually stood up in their own cities and said, stop it right now when it comes to Antifa. Mm-hmm. Now, they're trying to prosecute and persecute anyone, anyone who voted for Trump because of what, honestly, maybe let's let's get i'll give you the benefit of the doubt maybe 200 people did i think there were probably 50 that were committed to it and the rest were hapless dupes that just followed in and got tied into it and some people just you know caught up in the emotion got very angry and committed Mm -hmm. crimes committed crimes and they should go to jail yeah or or be fined i mean a lot of them were 
again, absconding with a podium might not necessarily. <laughs> no, remind I'm me, sorry, please. Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't mean to bring you back to that place. Wow, that dark, dark place. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think of is the guy with the podium under his arm walking through the rotunda. <laughs> you know the reason why these guys care so much is because it happened to them for the first time. Right. It happened to yeah. them. It, yeah. They're not small business owners. They're yeah. not. They're not worried about the police mm-hmm. being defunded. Nobody's defunding the police in Washington D.C. No. Imagine if those people did that to the Capitol, and then the rest of America said, "You know what? We need to do defund the police in Washington D.C." Imagine how those people in the Capitol would feel. No. That's exactly what they have been encouraging. For the rest of America. Yeah. If there's a defund the Capitol Police movement right now, mm-hmm. maybe we could take them seriously on their other claims. But they don't care if people in Minneapolis die because no. the new police don't show up. They nope. don't care. They don't it's care. got nothing to do with it. Nope. They, don't, they don't care at all. And, the, you know, this. remember, during the George Floyd riots, places all over Washington, D.C. were on fire. Right? Yes. Like there was yeah. all sorts yes. of violence that Multiple happened times. Mm-hmm. when that was going on but it wasn't in the same to them. place. It wasn't, it wasn't aimed, aimed directly at them, so yep. they didn't care about yep. it. Yep, 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 yep. Absolutely every time. There was one guy uh, that actually uh, said the truth. I don't think he noticed that he was saying the truth. Can you play uh, the, uh, the police officer? I don't remember which one he is. Yeah, that one. Listen to this. They had marching orders, so to say, um, when He's saying from, when people from. feel emboldened by people in power, they they assume that they're right. Like the the one of the scariest things Listen about January six is that the people that were there, even to this day, think that they were right. They think that they were right, and that that makes for a scary recipe for for the future of this country. I know. Ask Seattle. Ask Portland. Mm-hmm. Ask Chicago. Ask any place in America where defund the police. Ask the people in Minneapolis. Do they feel that they were wrong? They were emboldened by the system, Mm -hmm. by the uh, local community, by the mayors, by the city council, now by the president. They were emboldened when they were being bailed out by our now vice president. Jeez. I mean, think of that. Think of that. Donald Trump hasn't provided bail for any of these people. Kamala Harris provided bail for people in Antifa and Minneapolis and all over the country. And so, yeah, some of whom were attacking federal buildings. Yes. So, yeah, I don't I don't think that police officer really understood what he said. And from the beginning of the hearing yesterday, Benny Thompson, the I guess he's the chair of the committee. Yeah. Uh, started out by saying, we are here to deal only in fact. In we fact. will only deal in right. fact. And the right. first thing he did was lie about how many people died. Seven people. Lost Seven, people. Seven people. Seven people. Seven uh, people. That's, no. that's sick, Nick. We know sick Nick died. And they lied about that as well. They what said do you mean? he was beaten to death. He, uh, well, he yeah, died no. as a result of the injuries incurred in the riot. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, yeah, he, he must no, have. The day didn't. after, he must have. He had two strokes. He had two strokes. Even yeah, but doctors say that so. those strokes were certainly caused on by the... Yeah. They did say oh, tied okay. to the events, right? No, they didn't. No. They came out and the said it had did nothing not say that. to do. Corner right. said... He said the opposite. This was a ticking time bomb would have happened anyway. 
I thought in the yeah, in yeah, the report was, they said that it, yeah, that nope. while it was a stroke, it was uh, look it up, it could, yeah, look it up. Okay. I think I remember the I'm coroner almost coming. positive. Yeah, I am too. The, the, the coroner, coroner did not blame. Yeah. But regardless, it was not a traditional, regardless. how you Correct. think of a traditional, Correct. like, you know, D- David, uh, was it David Dorn who died in the, in the riots, the police officer, mm-hmm. retired police officer, he was shot. That that's how you that's how you think of no, death right. yes. yeah. in a riot, right? Yes. Like you beat over the head with a with a fire yeah, There were no injuries that caused Sicknick's death. Maybe blood pressure. Mm. I mean, he had he had high blood pressure because of the event. That that's as about as good out. as you can get. Yeah. That's about as good as you can get. Then two officers died by suicide afterward in, in the following week. Yeah. Okay. You can't blame that on the. You can't blame that on the riot. How do you blame that on the riot? Right. A protester was shot by police. Two protesters suffered fatal heart attacks. And another uh, died of a suspected drug overdose. Yeah. The only person actually killed as a result of what was going on was was Ashley Ashley Babbitt. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Yep. And And she shouldn't have been there. She shouldn't have been there. That's right. But I and I, I I feel bad for her. I feel bad for her family. But she shouldn't have been there. And and you know she knew a gun was pointed at her and climbed through a barricaded building. Yeah, I mean, like it's true. It's so go through the 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 you know the justified shootings that have happened, and we've talked about on the air from police officers to African Americans in communities. Like mm-hmm. this one was worse by her actions was worse than many of those that mm-hmm. were justified. I mean, like this is, I, I don't know how that became this like cause celeb among some conservatives where we're supposed to say that police officers are not allowed to shoot people who are b- going through barricades in the middle of an ongoing riot inside the Capitol building. Like I, I don't, I don't understand that particular point of view all that well, mm-hmm. especially when we have, I think correctly argued over and over again, if you go and you're charging at an officer uh, they have the right to shoot you, right? Like we've, how many, how many mm-hmm. videos have we talked about where the left is coming out and saying, no, they should have just let that girl stab the other girl and they shouldn't have done anything. I mean, that's the left's arguments constantly. And for whatever reason that has surrounded this particular case, they did, you know, look, she did something that I'm, you know, I, I feel bad about because I don't want people to die, but that is the officer in that case, I believe. Uh, acted in a justifiable manner that being said it's tragic and, and but it also supports what conservatives say which is like this this was the one death that occurred in this riot there was another like there's a woman I mean, it's terrible a woman who's in the middle of all of this wound up having health problems collapsed on the ground and was basically trampled while she was having some sort of heart heart attack at- attack that's a terrible terrible story However, it is not justifiable. I haven't either. It's a a terrible thing to say, oh, well, this many people died. Right? Like, okay, yes, she did die in the the incident. But it had nothing to do with it. But it was not like murderous people came up Mm -hmm. and tried to kill. Like, that was not what happened here. It was a terrible tragedy. In the way they mean it. Yes, exactly. No one died in the way they mean it. Yeah, I think that's 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 a that's an appropriate. Yeah, uh, because Ashley Babbitt, that's that's not their example of what went wrong. What are the protesters that they didn't like that shouldn't have been there died? So right, like nobody died defending it. Nobody died in Congress. Nothing happened in that way. Like if you were to say a mass shooting occurred and one person died, it was the shooter. Yeah, right. Oh, well. Like that. Well, not that's not how they would summarize that yes. story. That's how they're right. summarizing it yeah. here. They would have said injured and uh only yeah. one fatality and it was the shooter 
Right. And yep. so, look, look, I, again, it, was it a good incident? No. But, like, you know, as no. we were talking about this a little bit before we, had, we went on the air, there are some people on the right, very few, who are basically saying it was nothing. It was well, just a, a I think this is, honestly, this is where I started. That's coming from... It's pushback. It's pushback. Yes, because, it's like, how because dare you say that? Right. Because mm-hmm. on the other side, the media has been telling us for a very long time that this was the Civil War. Just like with the voting stuff, they say it's Jim Crow 2.0. Everything's the most extreme thing that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it is closer to nothing than it is to the Civil War. No right. question. <laughs> it's and not as controversial. And, 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 or 9-11. Let me tell you something. Or People 9/11. are just sick of this. Romney, Romney, might have been Genghis Khan. Romney was the worst (laughs) ever. That's right. He was going to be so draconian. He would be so uh, anti-Democrat. Are you kidding me? He practically is. He is a Democrat. Mm -hmm. He is a Democrat. Everybody, everybody, they, they play this nuclear card every time. Every single time. Let me tell you, this is how this is going to end. It's going to end with nothing except an impression. It's going to be a big impression. But it will be played again. There's going to be something because they history is not, you know, people say history always repeats itself. Let me say it differently. History is repeating itself. This is exactly like the Black Tom event, uh, which which pierced and broke every window in lower Manhattan. It it's the reason we can't go up into the torch anymore uh, of the Statue of Liberty, because the explosion was so big, it actually broke the arm of the Statue of Liberty. Uh, And Woodrow Wilson knew exactly what it was. Everybody who was involved knew what it was. It was German terrorism. They came over here to blow up the munitions that we were sending to the Allies for World War uh, I. They couldn't have those munitions come, so they blew them up just in New Jersey. It destroyed so much. It was a big, big deal. Woodrow Wilson said it was the capitalists that did it. And then it was just brushed aside for a while. And we're looking into it. We're looking into it. But nothing really happened. And then when FDR needed to round up the Japanese, he used that fear and said, we've just found out what happened in like 1916. We just found out what happened with Black Tom and it was the Germans. And if the Germans can do that, the Japanese will do it here. So we've got to act on this now. This is just the predecessor of something bigger that is coming, and they are building the foundation. Thank you so much, Pat. Yep. Pat Grant leashed, by the way. We do have the Sicknick thing. Do you want to hear this real quick? No, it, wait until yeah, after the okay. commercial. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I want to. Uh, I uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about LifeLock. LifeLock. Every day, we put our information at risk on the internet, and in an instant, a cyber criminal could steal what's yours. Sometimes even harm your finances and credit. That's why there's LifeLock. They'll help you detect a wide range of identity threats, and they'll work with you to fix it if there's a problem, if your data ends up getting compromised. That's because nobody can prevent all cybercrime because it's too expansive and it's changing every day, and they know that. That's why they have people on staff to clean it up in case something slips through. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK for 25% off. The Glenn Beck Program. 
Uh, so we have the uh, we have the clarification on Brian Sicknick, the officer who died from injuries suffered in January 6 riot, which is what they said yesterday. And that's definitely not that true. That is not true. Right. Read what the coroner said. Yeah. The chief medical examiner, Francisco Diaz, told the Washington Post that the autopsy found no evidence that Mr. Sicknick suffered an allergic reaction to the chemical spray or evidence of internal or external injuries, but said, quote, all that transpired played a role in his condition. Okay, a role in his condition. Right. So there were two people that died of a heart attack on the protesting side, okay, Mm -hmm. while they were in the Capitol. They died because they shouldn't have been there. They were not healthy enough for something like this. They start their heart starts to race. They have a heart attack. Yeah, had heart condition. This and, guy yeah. has obviously was prone for a stroke, probably had high blood pressure. It didn't happen to him at the Capitol. It happened to him the day after. Mm-hmm. So the guy was most likely going to have a stroke anyway because he was prone to that. He could have been out yeah. in a, you know, in a situation where he was just arguing with somebody and dropped dead later. Right. But, you know, if he had gone to work and stood there and nothing occurred all day, would he have had a stroke? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe what not. what the coroner is saying, yeah. but also saying that, like, he was predisposed to this, something like this happening anyway. Yeah. This all he had to do is condition. get his blood pressure to spike. Yeah. And that can happen in today's right. world just by listening to the news. <laughs> so... You know, there was only one person that was killed, and that was uh, a protester killed uh, by a cop. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Built Bar is our uh, sponsor this half hour, and I have to, oh, no, wait, I don't have to thank Stu. I have to yeah, thank Lisa. Well, Lisa. but you wouldn't know who Lisa was if it wasn't for me. Really? Really? She only married you to get closer to me. That's the <laughs> That's a terrible idea. <laughs> so many Do not fronts. ask her about yeah, it cuz no. she'll she'll lie to you. She'll lie to you <laughs> yeah, about it. Probably. Uh anyway, uh, Lisa was turned on to Built Bars. She turned my wife on to Built Bars and my wife uh yacked at me forever. You got to try these Built Bars. They're really good. And I don't listen to the stuff like that cuz she's healthy and blah right. blah blah she's not the person who's going to give you good advice on food over f- food right. right unless it's italian That's this true. is candy yeah italians do not make good desserts so i don't listen to her on anything sweet yeah not their specialty no not their specialty so i don't listen to her on things that you know are sweet and taste good but the, everything was out and she was gone someplace and i was hungry and so i took a built bar out and i ate it and i was blown away blown away and then i hid the fact for a while that she was <laughs> anyway this, this is getting far too specific built.com use the promo code beck 15 and save 15 percent off your first order use promo code beck 15 for 15 percent off at built.com they taste like a candy bar but they're good for you low cal uh low carbs you, you're gonna love them all about the growing authoritarian state and it is growing rapidly rapidly 
We have Ben Shapiro on uh, in about an hour to talk about it. Tonight, my special is all about surveillance. Uh, It's called Biden's new domestic terrorism threat. You. You need to see something that has just been rubber stamped and nobody really talked about it. The plan to combat domestic terror from the White House. It is truly terrifying what they're doing. And somebody who has been on this for a long time is a guy who's hasn't been on Twitter since January 8th because he was suspended for tweeting about hydroxychloroquine, which I've taken hydroxychloroquine. When I stopped taking it, I got COVID. I don't know. Maybe it's a coincidence. I don't think so. Anyway, um, he hasn't been on Twitter, but he has been busy. Why was the FBI monitoring the bank accounts of D.C. residents on January 6th? From judicialwatch.org, Tom Fitton joins us in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. Sally wrote in a couple of uh, short but sweet lines about her dog's experience with Rough Green. She says, my dog Bruno now cries because he loves his dog food so much. Rough Greens is amazing. I don't know what that means. Uh, does he like he's he's like Adam Schiff over his bowl? He's like, <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Thanks for writing in. Uh, but I do want to talk to Bruno here for a moment. Bruno, I don't know exactly what it is with you, but I I do frequently cry because I love my food so much. So I don't even put rough greens on my food and I still do that. So I can't imagine what you're going through and just keep it up. It's not dog food. It's something you sprinkle on the dog food, the supplement that's filled with all of the things that make your dog healthier and happier. Get a free bag of rough greens just for your dog to try out. It's a small little bag. They just want you to try it for a few days to make sure that your dog will eat it and like it. And if they do, then just uh, get a a real bag of uh, rough greens and watch the change in your dog over a couple of months roughgreens.com slash back roughgreens.com all you pay for is shipping get the free bag right now you can call 833-GLEN-33 833-GLEN-33 or roughgreens.com slash back Tom Fitton president of Judicial Watch author of A Republic Under Assault and Tom I don't think there is a a better phrase than that for what is happening to our country right now yeah, it's been ongoing and it's uh, accelerated uh, with the uh, beginning of the Biden administration that, as you've highlighted, has used uh, January 6th uh, as a uh, an excuse uh, to target and spy on all of this political opposition. And I just don't mean Donald Trump. Their theory of the case is everyone who has questions about the legitimacy of the Biden election that has questions about election integrity generally or supportive of Trump, conservatives, all should be treated as if they're terrorists and, quote, enemies of the state, as the uh, left-wing New York Times lawyer, uh, excuse me, yeah. uh, writer admitted and, and uh, in Twitter yesterday. So let's go through some of the things that the government is doing that are absolutely unconstitutional and also things that should horrify Americans I don't know if they don't know about it or if they do, they just don't care. But this is a different country. Talk to me about the different things they did. For instance, Bank of America. 
Yeah, and it's not clear if Bank of America did this because they were asked or because they were excited to do it and just volunteered. But they sent over, reportedly, the financial transaction data, meaning if you use your debit card in D.C. on January 6th or the surrounding area, it was sent over, assuming presumably, to the FBI. Uh, Airbnb data was sent over. Hotel transaction data was sent over, it looks like. These financial records were poured over uh, by Bank of America and sent uh, to the FBI and who knows how many other banks. So we've we've asked for information from the FBI about what was going on here. And Glenn, they gave us the uh, they can't confirm or deny the doc- after deny after refusing to respond to the request as the law requires. They we sued and they said, well, we can't confirm or deny this information exists, well, which to me is a non-denial denial. Right. And and what what right do they have to withhold that information? Well, you know, admitting they have the information is going to be a scandal. The detail of it is another issue. Here we can't even def- get them to fess up that they were spying on us. We also have a lawsuit against the post office that was t- targeting social media profiles of individual Americans and examining them. Who knew your postal, your post office had the ability to spy on your social media content? So when they're talking about this select committee on the Hill, that's what this is about. And one of the other angles of the select committee we all should be concerned about is the fact that Adam Schiff is on it. Mm-hmm. And they've taken the legal position in litigation with Judicial Watch that the House of Representatives specific, and Congress generally has the unbridled ability to subpoena and take your private information, whether it be phone records, in the case of Giuliani, that's exactly what they did, or financial information, and who knows what else, and without court authorization. So this isn't like... How? When did this uh, happen? Uh, what? I mean, this is, this is not legal, right? It's not legal. Well, they say it is, and no court has restrained them yet. So I fear this January 6th committee which is a never-ending committee. It's going to be a, 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 uh, a show trial. Uh, there's no date that's going to end, for which it's going to end, so the, it's going to be a go-to committee for Lord knows how long, is going to target citizens and groups who oppose Biden and spy on them by taking their records uh, unconstitutionally, in my view. What are the, uh, what now, are the odds that, that I'm being spied on? I think the odds are high that you're on the target list. Uh, you know, Tucker, the story with Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. shows that you should presume you're being spied on. Yeah. I'll tell you what, in my, in my operations, I just presume every phone conversation I have, every email I send uh, is, is subject to monitoring by the government. I just, I, I think, you know, it just it makes it, and, and Americans who are active in politics should similarly presume it. Uh, you just don't have to be a leader. Uh, now we know they're going after citizens. Well, I know that there are senators that I have spoken to that are so paranoid now they won't speak around any kind of uh, any kind of uh, device, and they'll only really kind of talk to you outside. Uh, and uh, and they they believe they're absolutely being monitored uh, by our national security apparatus. Well, we know the NSA is able to pick up virtually everything. Yeah. And the, and the issue comes down to who utilizes the intelligence that the NSA has in a box? Who goes rooting around in that box? 
We already know that the Biden administration is run by a man who did it to General Flynn in unmasking him. There's been no uh, there's been there's been no sanction for anyone who's unmasked mm-hmm. anyone during the Obama administration in abuse of the law. And that's so actually what happened to now. Tucker Carlson. We found out now that he was unmasked. But that's a very big deal to unmask. Someone is a very difficult th- or should be a very difficult thing to do. Used to be. Well, it, it, under the uh, excuse me, under the Obama administration, they treated that information as a Google type search function. Oh my gosh! Uh, to uh, go through uh, on issues related to their political enemies. So, if you pop up on the radar, if you say or do the wrong thing that gets the attention of the wrong people in Washington D.C., we now know they have access to information, and they can use it with virtually no check. Even when we know, catch them doing it, we can't get the Justice Department to do anything about it. Where's, you know, it goes back to where's Durham, which is a shorthand way of saying is where's the Justice Department, where's law enforcement, and why is it that they refuse to enforce the rule of law against the the, uh, corrupt political class here in Washington, D.C.? So we know that Bank of America, whether they volunteered or were asked to do it, Um, they looked into all of the transactions, bank account, debit card, credit card purchases in Washington, D.C., purchases made from hotels or Airbnb, RSVPs in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, any purchase of weapons or at a weapons-related merchant between 1-7 and the upcoming suspected stay in D.C., airline-related purchases since 1-6, and they put all these together. You know, uh, I remember when they told us we could do this, probably about 2006, that they could they could string a whole bunch of information together that was supposedly uh, anonymized uh, for terrorists. And they could just put it all together and they could tell when somebody had moved from one house to another because of the water usage went down. Uh, right. That's what they're doing to these people, to anybody who is in Washington, D.C., And it's one thing to say, we saw this person commit an act, or we have information that this person committed an act. It's another thing to do this dragnet, where everyone gets caught up in the surveillance state and has their information perused. And, you know, we've seen the stories that I'm sure you've covered of people having difficulty travel, traveling, even though... They've done nothing wrong other than maybe attend the rally in, on January 6th. We are becoming China. China is the model. We are putting in uh, restrictions where they can control every part of your life. Have you? Uh, and, we ha- and we have a committee on, in the House that is a one-party committee. So when we worry about one-party states, we have a one-party operation that is now investigating the exercise of civil liberties by American citizens in terms of right to assembly, right to freedom of association, and other First Amendment protected rights. There's no representative of the other party in our system on that committee. And the folks who are responsible for some of this China-like surveillance, i.e. Adam Schiff, are on the committee and they know what to do. Is there a way to turn this around? I think we need a change in approach from our leadership uh, in the elected level. My concern is the leadership of the House and the Senate don't care about these issues. 
They talk about them, but they don't care about them. I, Mitch McConnell doesn't even talk about them. Uh, and uh, we we don't have effective leadership uh, on the Hill to uh, to highlight these issues in the grave way they need to be highlighted. I mean, I just saw a piece in Politico the other day, Glenn, where the nas- a national security official, I think, in the White House was talking about how uh, Second Amendment gun rights are a national security issue. I know we don't want the wrong people. We don't want the wrong people getting guns. And we know, and their definition of the wrong people is people who don't vote for Biden. Have you and, and zero interest in in Congress for doing this? And there's got to be an escalation in Congress, an accountability, and a penalty for abusing for a the government abusing our rights from the executive branch and policing Congress. Have you been following? Why, the- why isn't there a demonstration in front of the Capitol Hill Police Department? Be transparent. The Whitmer kidnapping case and the FBI's involvement, there is no way anyone reasonable can read that and think that that was anything other than a a plot hatched and and uh, furthered by the FBI. Uh, Have you looked into that case? Is there much credibility to that? And were they doing that on January 6th? Well, we are looking into it uh, and. What's interesting about January 6th is that the information is kind of already out there. Um, I, I went and looked on the Justice Department's website, and you can read the documents they post. And one of the folks they targeted, uh, the information that was presented to the court by the Justice Department, discussed a D.C. undercover police employee uh, monitoring the riot. Not only was he there beforehand talking to the targets, but he was also on the Capitol grounds. So they had an undercover informant for the D.C. police on the grounds during the riot. Hmm. I haven't seen that anywhere. And to me, where there's more, when you have that type of activity, you can bet there's additional activity that's not disclosed. Sure. And that would also make you question, then why weren't you prepared for it? Well, and that's why Nancy Pelosi, if I were if I were in Congress and and with Democrat or Republican, and I was in fear for my life for one minute because of a failure of security that that person is responsible for the Speaker of the House, she wouldn't be Speaker of the House. Tom Fitton, thank you so much for uh, all that you guys do. Um, Keep fighting by the way, are you still off Twitter because of your choice or because they just not letting you back on Twitter? Uh, it's partly choice, partly I'm locked out. Uh, they tell me if I delete the accurate and truthful tweet, I can go back on in theory. But And what did you tweet about hydroxychloroquine? I said hydroxychloroquine is a safe drug. <laughs> it is a safe drug. It's been around for 100 years. It is a safe drug. He had told me the tweet was fine. They had previously analyzed the tweet and said it wasn't in violation of the rules. And they since decided it's in violation of their rules. And they've called me an abuser of, of uh, the system. And I don't even know how to respond to that other than, you know, if I go back on, will it, will they destroy my account completely? Unbelievable. Tom, thank you so much. Appreciate it. God bless. Tom Fitton, president of Judicial Watch, uh, the author of the book, A Republic Under Assault, and you can follow him at judicialwatch.org. 
American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So Brian just wrote in after hearing me talk about American Financing, and he wanted to share how grateful he was and what his experience was like with um, uh, American Financing. He said, I heard about American Financing on Blaze TV, made my inquiry on the web, and was contacted by Scott. He and his associates were extremely helpful and accommodating. He answered all of my questions. He made me feel comfortable during the entire process of refi. In the end, I lowered my monthly mortgage payment and got a lowered interest rate. I'd recommend American Financing to anyone who needs the services that they are offering. Thank you so much. Brian, thanks for writing in. Thank you for giving American Financing a chance to help you reach your financial goals. It's really that easy. You want to save money? You're probably overpaying. When's the last time you had a free mortgage review? Please do this. You could save hundreds, if not $1,000 every single month. It's American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, or AmericanFinancing.net. Ten seconds, station ID. This police state is being built as we speak, and it is happening rapidly, rapidly. Tonight, on my Wednesday night special, only on Blaze TV, I'm focusing on an alarming strategy from the White House. It's not a conspiracy theory. I don't have to put it all together. It's right there. Something that America barely even noticed when it was released last month. The media just rubber stamps everything. But it was put together by the National Security Council, and it is a blueprint for sweeping government action called the National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism. It doesn't focus on BLM, Antifa, doesn't ransomware, none of that stuff. It is just focusing on the greatest national threat, quote, violent extremists, principally those who promote the superiority of the white race, end quote. Well, I want violent extremists and anybody who's promoting the superiority of the white race or the black race. Hmm. Hmm, Seems to be a few of those, too. Uh, I think I think they're dangerous. And if they are violent, they should be arrested. But this White House uh, strategy is disturbing because it is as if we have no constitutional rights. They are already using surveillance systems and turning their focus on the U.S., it talks about how they're going to use high tech and gives all their rationale. And it is truly, truly terrifying. And you must be aware of it. I want people who commit crimes to go to jail. And I don't care who they voted for. I want them to go to jail. This is a blueprint for big government and big tech to surveil root out and silence America's, quote, deplorables, all in the name of anti-terror. Join me tonight for a very important Wednesday night special, Biden's new domestic terrorism threat, you. Tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern on blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and uh, and uh, get your uh, uh, get your uh, discount on your subscription blaze tv.com slash glenn uh and use the promo code glenn right after 
something else that's on TV. A brand and, new uh, episode car. of Punky Brewster. That's who's going to be the guest on Stu Does America. Also on Blaze TV YouTube. That is tonight. You don't want to miss it. What are you doing tonight on yours? We're going to be having, we're doing punk, uh, Punky Brewster. All right. Yep. We're, we're going to be good dive into the yeah. entire show, the mm-hmm. history, uh, mm-hmm. the people behind the story. Mm-hmm. So it's a very special it's a very special. Show. Uh, it's a very, they don't do that anymore. I miss those typical, it's a very special Punky Brewster. Right. Yes. We're going to be going into the January 6th commission a little bit tonight. Uh, also, uh, some stuff from Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> uh, we... We hit that a little bit yesterday, yeah. and there's some other stuff that people don't know, or at least not been have not been covering on Cuomo as well. We're going to get into that tonight on Studios America right before your show. Okay, we're going to talk about Cuba here in the next few minutes. I have the FCC commissioner on who says we have a way to restore the internet, and uh, all Biden has to do is just say, okay, we'll do that next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Gee, I wonder why they're not. Dealing with car repairs can feel you can feel like uh, uh, kicking the uh, body parts. You know what I mean? You lose your money. You lose your time. If you're like me, you're apt to lose your mind while you're at it. If you don't have the right coverage when something goes wrong with your car, just one repair can bleed you dry. This is why CarShield exists. Taking care of a covered repair with CarShield's administrators, really easy. They handle the paperwork, the expensive payments. You don't have to do any of it. You literally just end up saving thousands of dollars. With CarShield, you'll get to pick the mechanic or, you know, uh, you can bring it into the dealership and CarShield does the rest. Plans from CarShields provide coast-to-coast roadside assistance, rental coverage, and trip reimbursement, all at no additional charge. CarShield has helped over a million drivers. They can help you. It's a win-win. You're not going to be on the hook to pay thousands. Get coverage today and see why CarShield cars go further. Visit carshield.com slash Beck. carshield.com slash Beck. Save 10%. Deductible may apply. Back to back tonight. Studios America, Glenn TV. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Axios calls this guy the FCC's 5G crusader. He has led the FCC's work to modernize the infrastructure rules and accelerate the build-out of high-speed networks. His uh, reforms have cut billions of dollars in red tape and enabled the private sector to build these high-speed networks in in communities all across the country and extend America's global leadership in 5G. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's a lot of people uh, in in Washington, at least with this administration, that want to see America win the 5G race. That's a topic for another uh, broadcast. His name is Brendan Carr, and he is an FCC commissioner. Uh, and we we need good commissioners on the FCC. Ajit Pai has uh, left. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing great. Really good to to join you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, You are suggesting something, and I think this, I don't know if it started with you or who it started with. I know that um, uh, Marco Rubio has been talking about restoring the Internet to Cuba. And there is a way we can do this, but it requires the government and Google to participate, correct? 
Yeah, some of that is right. So, you know, look, in, in Cuba, we're seeing unprecedented protests. And what we see around the globe now is the first thing people do when they take to the street to fight for liberty is they take out their smartphone. They take pictures. They take video. Because the thing that brutal dictatorships like least is the attention of the world. Correct. The spotlight on their brutality. So we've seen this in Iran. We've seen it in uh, Venezuela. We've seen it in Myanmar. So the first thing that people do is they take their phone out. The first thing the dictators do is they shut down the Internet. Now, they don't cut the Internet entirely because that would cut off their own communications. They block access to WhatsApp and Facebook and messaging services. So those pictures and videos can't get out there. So what I said, what others have said, like you mentioned, Senator Rubio, uh, Governor DeSantis, is we should look for ways to restore Internet services to Cuba, uh, which would help to accelerate the ultimate uh, destination of the brutal Cuban regime, which is its end. Uh, and there's two ways we can do it. We can introduce new services, new internet services from off island. That can take some time. And there's some logistical challenges to be sure, but we have the technical capacity to do that. And track two is we should bolster support for circumvention tools so that people can continue to use the internet services on the island and just get around the filtering, which by the way, the filtering has all the digital fingerprints of the communist regime of China. So they are very much involved in helping Cuba shut down Internet services. And didn't Facebook and everybody else, they did this in Egypt. They did this for the Arab Spring. They they actually helped foment that revolution uh, and uh, and made sure that people knew how to use it and gain access to it. Now it doesn't see is anybody have you heard of any high tech? I mean, the the big high tech are any of them saying we got to join in and help these people. It's been pretty quiet from what I've seen. You know, former Secretary Pompeo sent out a tweet a week or so ago saying that uh, the government and others went in in Iran and helped bolster Internet services during the protests there. I mean, we have the technical capacity to do it. And it's simply a question of do we have the political will at the highest levels of this administration to green light uh, these efforts? If we do that, American enterprises can deliver these solutions to the Cuban people and show our uh, support for them. And, and President Biden initially came out with some positive words. We're going to look at this, but it's over two weeks and we haven't seen any action at this point. And, you know, I'm very concerned that we're not going to see action. So, uh, you know, this is just a question of political will. It's not a question of can we do capacity. it? Yeah. Um, and is Project Loon, which was a Google project, I believe, in yep. Kenya, uh, which yep. sends this like, uh, you know, uh, tennis court sized uh, uh, tower up over the country way above where airplanes are flying and it just kind of hovers there and kind of acts as a as a receiver to to pass that message along easily we could probably do it with two of these things because florida is so close do i have that right you're exactly you're exactly right so this is what i call that track one idea which is how do we introduce new services into cuba from off Island. There's a variety of technological ways you can do it, and you put your finger on one of them. Uh, Google Loon had this operation where they put up stratospheric balloons. These go 60 to 75,000 feet uh, above the air. You can actually keep them relatively static over a geographic area, given the way that the winds circulate uh, at those levels. I've been to Kenya myself to see this technology in action. It works. We at the FCC authorized this technology in 2017. After a hurricane wiped out communications in Puerto Rico, seven to eight of these balloons went up, circled around Puerto Rico, and helped beam services into that uh, that 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 community. 
And we saw it in Peru after some natural disasters, these balloons went up. There's other technologies we could beam Wi-Fi off of the U.S. Embassy in Havana. Uh, previously, we had inserted uh, satellite-powered internet devices into Cuba. The advantage of these high-altitude balloons, as you point out, is you can stay in international airspace and beam directly from the, the, the balloon to a handset, back from the handset to the balloon. And to your point, given the geographic distance to uh, Marathon or, or the Keys, you can beam right from the balloon back to the internet in the U.S. So that's the advantage of the balloon. And frankly, we need it now in Cuba, but we also need this, I think, as a strategic capability for this country. We've always had, you know, Radio Free Asia, uh, Radio Marti that broadcast into Cuba. The modern day equivalent of broadcasting uh, information into countries that aren't free is to enable the free, unfiltered use of the internet in those countries. So I think we need this as a long-term strategic capability as well. It's a lot better than obviously putting putting troops on the ground as well. Sure. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, with the way things are going, quite honestly, we might need one for, you know, suppression here in America. Uh, it, what, what is being well, done is, is, is craziness, craziness. This is, this is amazing. I mean, look, we cannot be speaking out of both sides of our mouth. At the one, at the one point we're saying brutal regimes like Cuba, you can't filter, you can't censor the internet. At the same time that we have uh, this White House, Jen Psaki, out there saying, oh, yeah, we've been coordinating with big tech to censor American speech. We can't do that. We need to be very clear that we believe in a free, open, uncensored Internet for our own American people here and for other people abroad. And so I think we should go forward and whether it's through legislation or otherwise, make very clear that government officials should not be calling up big tech companies and asking them to put a thumb on the scale against speech they don't like because Let's get real. It's not about misinformation. It's not about disinformation. It's about political speech that doesn't fit the narrative of the right. people that are bombing in with these phone calls. Is it is it possible to privately do this? I mean, uh, you know, we can just this audience and that's not involving the Cuban uh, population in America. We could fund that privately. I doubt Google would take our check. But is there a way to do this privately? Well, on the track one stuff, so Google shuttered uh, Loon at the beginning of the year because it wasn't a great commercial product. People weren't going to drop, you know, Verizon or, uh, or AT&T for these uh, balloon services. But I think as a strategic capability for the country, the commercial viability is less of a concern. But the track two stuff we talked about, which is the circumvention tools, there's a lot of open source applications out there that the Cuban people are using right now. Those technologies need additional funding, and we're not talking, you know, billions of dollars. We're talking one to three to six million dollars. So there are some efforts underway to try to use private sector funding uh, to bolster these technologies. I can't endorse any one particular, you know, company or direct people towards those crowdfunding sites, given um, you know limits on me as a government official. But there are private sector ways that people could donate money so that these circumvention tools continue to work, and the people of Cuba can continue to get those pictures and videos out to the world. You know, I uh, I loved uh, Jeet Pai, and I've done this. I've done broadcast for forty five years, and I I can't even remember a name of a of an FCC chairman before. Um, uh, maybe I did during Reagan, uh, but uh, a Jeet was um, amazing, and I thought we were headed in the right direction with the FCC under Donald Trump. Um, and now it looks like hey, you guys are the only ones standing between. Uh, real freedom of the internet uh, and uh, net neutrality, because it's back, isn't it? It is. You know, look, uh, President Biden issued a 
quote unquote competition executive order a week or so ago. And it included a, a direction basically to us at the FCC to go back to Obama era uh, net neutrality rules. The reality is, you know, 2015, 2016, America had flatlined in terms of our build out of high speed Internet infrastructure, including cell sites. In 2016, we had something like 708 new cell sites go up in this country. Um, after we engage in reforms under, you know, Ajit's leadership and me working with him, uh, we had uh, 46,000 new cell sites go in in 2019. So a 65-fold increase because we got, you know, all of that regulatory red tape uh, out of the yeah. way. So I'm very concerned that we're going to go back to this Obama-era approach. And it's, it's as if they don't understand the real threat to a free and open Internet today. It's not coming from the ISPs. We don't have neutrality today. Uh, at least under their conception of it. And we don't see blocking and throttling by ISPs, but we do see is blocking and censorship by big tech. And so if you really care about a free and open internet, the problem you need to tackle today is the censorship happening by Facebook, by Twitter, uh, by these providers, not by the ISP. How, how uh, close are we to really being a leader in 5G compared to, I can't remember the name of Huawei, I mean, yeah. we are in the fight of our life with Huawei. You know, we made we were behind again, 2015, 2016. People were basically counting the U.S. out. Uh, but when we modernized our infrastructure rules because it had been costing too much and took too long to build infrastructure for the Internet here, uh, things boomed and we leapfrogged uh, ahead of many, many countries. And we now have the strongest uh, 5G platform in the world. If you don't have it in your particular community, uh, the data may be meaningless to you, but the data does show us that we're doing well. But I am concerned that we are not going to continue to keep the pedal down when it comes to allowing new Internet infrastructure bills, when it comes to uh, getting the spectrum out there that we need to power these 5G services. So the good news is we made great progress. We're in good shape right now. But I'm worried that we're going to let off the gas and then, you know, China's going to take advantage of that. Um, Elon Musk's satellite service is amazing absolutely amazing is is this what do you think of that business does that have a future far as um uh, litigation is there anything that can shut him down on this this is a really interesting technology and i was just out in washington state visiting the manufacturing plant where they make these low earth orbit satellites and the idea is that you can put these you know satellites up hundreds of them and they're going to get you almost sort of fiber-like uh, speeds anywhere, uh, almost anywhere in the globe. And we yeah. uh, are pretty hopeful. We're not putting all our eggs in that basket. We're looking at other technologies, other ways to bridge the digital divide. Uh, but we think this could be a good technology. We've authorized them. We've funded them uh, in terms of building out in areas where um, they're sort of rural and remote. So it, it, it could be a game changer. Um, we'll see. It hasn't quite gone uh, to scale yet. Just It just isn't there as a timeline. They're still building it out. We're hopeful that it's going to be a key part of bridging the digital divide. Brendan Carr, the FCC commissioner, it is uh, it's good to talk to you. And uh, please let us know uh, about any threats to our constitutional uh, protected rights to free speech and petitioning our government. Uh, we need good guys on the inside that are alerting because there's just so much going on that nobody can pay attention uh, to all of it. Thank you so much, Brendan. Appreciate it. Thanks, Glenn. You bet. You can follow him at Brendan Carr FCC or find him at FCC.gov. Brendan Carr, the FCC commissioner. Um, I think this is something that we really need to pursue. Uh, I think the Project Loon is a really, 
really I don't know why. I, I mean, I think we should be speaking up and asking uh, congressmen and senators like Rubio, how can we help you? What do we need to do to get the government to approve that? We've already done it before. Why are we not doing it for Cuba? Uh, more in just a second. First, let me tell you about AMAC. I'm a proud member of AMAC. That's the Association of Mature American Citizens. And I want to tell you why. There are a couple of things that are going on. AMAC, you get the benefits. You'll get the benefits that you'll get anyplace else with a seniors group, if you will. Or mature Americans. I don't call them seniors anymore. And being somebody who's a mature American, I understand why. Anyway, you just it's not just about getting benefits. You're joining a group that has your best interest and the best interest of the country at heart. It's a group that will fight tooth and nail for your rights as an American. And they already are doing it. They're the source also of uncensored information that you can trust, complete with newsletters, videos, podcasts, fresh website content, a bi-monthly magazine. A quarter of a million AMAC members have directly participated in AMAC's outreach campaigns to Congress. Listen, we are not going to win this unless we start to join together. We might have disagreements on things, but if you believe in, uh, give me nine out of the top ten of the Bill of Rights, and you're an ally, you're an ally. Join AMAC for the advocacy, the benefits, the information. Most importantly, join because we need to start forming groups and have our voices heard en masse. AMAC.us slash Beck. AMAC.us slash Beck. Go there now and join now. Tonight on Glenn TV. The riot that occurred on January 6th was a national tragedy, but the left is now using that one event to completely redefine domestic terrorism, and you might be their next target. Glenn unveils the Biden administration's latest tactics to supposedly secure our nation, all at the cost of our fundamental rights. Watch Biden's new domestic terrorism threat, you. Tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern at blazetv.com slash Glenn. You are listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Tonight, 9 o'clock, we are going to be talking about what the government is doing right now for national security, and they are becoming authoritarian. The Authoritarian Moment is a book that has uh, been written by Ben Shapiro. It is out today. A lot of history in it. It's, it's really good. Ben Shapiro is joining us uh, in just a few minutes. The Authoritarian Moment how the left has weaponized America's institutions against dissent. And he has some solutions that I think are right. Uh, so we have been on uh, and don't miss tonight's special at uh, 9 p.m. Right after a brand new Stu Does America. Wow. This episode, he finds out he has a young cousin and they live next door. <laughs> and we go on a vacation to Hawaii. Yeah. It's uh, not good. I, no, it's it's, it's all it's, we tried all the sitcom <laughs> things in the same episode. It did not work. <laughs> first, let me tell you about the zebra. Some facts are fun. Like first oranges weren't orange; they were actually green. Armadillo shells are actually bulletproof. Really? Hey, uh, apparently, I've so. been shooting at armadillos. Yeah, I, I know. You know it's not working. Hmm. Americans overspend on insurance by twenty-one billion dollars every year. That's a fact that you really you you should know. 
You should know. That's where the zebra can help you. They compare car and home insurance quotes from every major provider in under five minutes, giving you all the facts you need to make the right decision for you all for free. It's the fastest way to find the right coverage at the right price, all from a provider that you can trust. In fact, the zebra saves shoppers an average of $922 on home and car insurance combined. That's a fun fact. The zebra. TheZebra.com slash Beck. Go there now. TheZebra.com slash Beck and save a buttload of money. All right. Mr. Ben Shapiro is coming up in just a couple of minutes. Stand by. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program, Mr. Ben Shapiro, talking about the growing authoritarian state and his new book in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. Real estate agents I trust is the place to go if you're going to take a plunge into the real estate game anytime soon. It is crazy that what's happening in the market is crazy. The new homes are not selling anymore. They're kind of back to the way they were when we were first getting into COVID. Nobody is buying them because they've gotten so overpriced. However, your home, uh, an existing home, those sales sales are still up. So you have to be careful on the buying and the selling of your home. Simple fact is this. You need more than just a real estate agent. You need somebody who's going to do more than just, you know, show you listings or show your house. You need somebody who is full time driven to succeed, helping you succeed, who knows the best practices that make that happen. We have a whole list of those people all over the country, and it's a free service to you. If you're buying or selling, whether you're moving across the street, across town or across the country, Real estate agents I trust can find the right real estate agent for you. Real estate agents I trust.com. Real estate agents I trust.com. Mr. Ben Shapiro is uh, joining us. He is uh, he is the intellectual powerhouse of the right now and been a friend for many, many years. I respect him. And he is the one guy who writes a lot of books that I will always read his books because they are always really well thought out um intellectually solid and uh never go for cheap shots mr ben shapiro how are you sir hey doing okay how are you i'm i'm good i'm good i'm excited i haven't read your new book but i've heard you talk about it an awful lot i listened to your podcast when was it last night uh when you were doing the book signings uh, and and I want to actually take you through some of the things that you played, some of these uh, authoritarian moments as we go. But first, give the setup of the book. What are you talking about in it? So basically, the book begins with looking at January 6th, which the left has declared is the authoritarian moment in modern American history, that the democracy is on the verge of, over being, of being overthrown. 
that, that Donald Trump is this great authoritarian figure and that the right is the true threat to American freedom. Mm-hmm. And then I ask people to analyze, you know, what exactly happened on January 6th and beyond? Because what really happened is that a breakaway group, a much larger group, committed criminal activity. They were all arrested. They're all going to go to jail. And within three hours, order had been restored and the government went on as though nothing had happened. Then in the immediate aftermath of that, AWS, Amazon Web Services, deplatformed Parler completely. Most major Democrats started calling for significant curbs on First Amendment freedoms. You started to see neutral service providers talking about cracking down on quote-unquote extremism. Donald Trump was thrown off all the social media platforms. Corporations started to put out statements basically suggesting that you had to mirror particular political viewpoints on January 6th. Or corporations said, we're just not going to give donations to anybody who questioned the the results of the election, even though they would certainly not do the same with Democrats. So the question is, if you're talking about actual authoritarian threats, then who's actually threatening? Who who are the institutions that are threatening? And I think most Americans instinctively know the answer. And the answer is not, you know, the idiots who invaded the Capitol building. The, The people who are a true threat to your way of life right now are the people at the head of every major institution, ranging from the scientific institutions to the educational institutions to your corporate bosses. And they have the power to really wreck their life in some pretty significant ways, even outside of the offices of government. You know, we have been uh, pretty close to this point before with Woodrow Wilson. Um, But you can excuse the American people at the time to some degree because uh, authoritarianism was this new idea. And with the with the um, progressives using science uh, and saying, look, it's a whole new age. You know, we came from farmers and now we're in the scientific age and anything is possible. You can kind of dismiss it. But what Joe Biden is doing right now, a lot of this really comes from the Woodrow Wilson playbook. And I think it's just as racist and just as nasty as when he was doing it. I mean, I think that when Joe Biden goes around saying, knowing full well that he's lying, that voter ID laws are akin to Jim Crow racism, yeah. or that what happened on January 6th is the worst insurrection that we've seen in the United States since the Civil War, or that Republicans broad writ are, are just trying to return us to the days of the Civil War. I mean, this kind of stuff is extremely ugly. It's extremely divisive. It is the opposite of what he promised that he was going to be when he became president, right, which is this sort of unifying, right. moderate figure. He's not been any of, of those things. I think what makes what, what's going on truly unjustifiable is not just that we've seen the consequences of, of this sort of activity before, it's that at least you can say that during Woodrow Wilson's administration, we were in the middle of a world war. And during FDR's administration, we are in the middle of another world war. Right now, we are involved in zero major wars anywhere around the world. We're the unchallenged global hegemon. And yet we're tearing ourselves apart internally going after dissenters, which is kind of a unique thing. Oh, I think we are at war. We, the America is at war, but it's at war with itself. I mean, right. it's, it's completely lost its way um, because we've had people teaching our children for a while now. Uh, that we're a horrible, horrible place. And uh, I don't know if people are buying it or not. I mean, they usually buy these things. I want to take you to one of the uh, authoritarian moments. This is from 1933. It's a, uh, it's a parade. Tell me why this is important. In September 1933, the government sponsored a spectacular parade up New York's Fifth Avenue to promote an unprecedented federal effort, the National Recovery Administration. Roosevelt called the NRA a partnership in planning between government and industry. Its goal, to speed recovery by establishing profit levels for business and wage levels for labor. In a show of national solidarity, more than two million employers across the country 
promised to abide by the NRA codes. Russia hails victory in Moscow's Red Square during her May Day parade. Above- uh, we'll get to that other clip in a minute. Uh, so tell me why that parade was important. So the Jonah Goldberg talks a lot about this in liberal fascism, but the, the sort of economically fascist system was reliant on private businesses being overseen and working in cahoots with big government. And big government would essentially charter these industries and then tell them what to do. And industrial magnets do, well, I guess it's better than the communists. And then they would go along with it. Well, the National Recovery Administration was an effort overtly by the federal government to force businesses into doing what they wanted. You were supposed to put a symbol up in your window, the Blue Eagle. You were supposed to put it up in your window. And Americans were were literally supposed to boycott businesses that didn't put the Blue Eagle in their window. Well, I, I think that we can see uh, some pretty resonant echoes of that today in modern American politics when you have the government, members of the Democratic Party calling on corporations, social media companies, for example, to do their bidding and then suggesting that perhaps, you know, maybe there needs to be an astroturf boycott of particular businesses if they refuse to do that bidding. We saw oh, the results I, of this when, when Major League Baseball just pulled out of Georgia, for example. We're talking to Ben Shapiro, author of the brand new book that's out today, The Authoritarian Moment. Um, I think it's even more clear um, with ESG scores. I mean, this is the government getting into bed with uh, global corporations, banks now providing a ESG score. And if you're not playing ball with the government and with, uh, you know, the environmentalist and social justice members, your score will go down. And in Europe, they're now proposing that you cannot do business with any business that has a lower ESG score than you do. Yeah. I mean, you see it also in in places like California that have attempted to actually pass laws leveraging people onto boards of corporations. If if your corporation is large enough, then we now have to put a certain number of people of particular races or sexual orientations on the board of the corporation. I mean, this is this is truly totalitarian stuff. And what's even more totalitarian in effect is that the corporations then shovel this garbage down on the people who work for the corporation. So it's easy. You know, Glenn, you're you're able to speak freely because that's what you do for a living. I'm able to do it because that's what I do for a living. They can threaten our livings, but they're never going to be able to take away all of our livings. We have too many people who are interested in hearing what we have to say. But if you're just a guy working at a corporation, it's very easy for the corporation yeah. to get you to, to mirror their prescriptions because you got to put food on the table for your family. Well, that's the thing that I like about um, this book is you're not just coming with the problems. You actually have the solution. And, and uh, I think the way you have phrased this is really appealing. I've been talking about Martin Luther King I hate boycotts, and I know you do too. Stu does. But Martin Luther King says, if we wouldn't have done the boycott, if we wouldn't have had the teeth, it, it wouldn't have worked. We wouldn't have had the Civil Rights Act passed. Uh, and they are coming after us, and we just keep taking it, and we don't come after any of the companies that are shoveling this crap. Explain your position yeah, on this. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I hate boycotts. I mean, I'm in an industry where you and I are routinely hit by people trying to yeah. go after our advertisers. Right. But here's the reality. There has to be a mutually assured destruction here. If, if these corporations are only caving to one side, there's a tremendous asymmetry. You'll see a corporation that receives 10 tweets, and then you'll get a call from your ad broker saying, well, they've, they've removed their advertising because they got 10 tweets. And the answer to that isn't, oh, well, you know, they're, they're private business. They can do what they want. They can. But they can also feel the blowback from the other side. And so what we've done at our company, for example, is we said to advertisers openly, quite openly, that if you want to advertise on our show, you're, you're, you can pull your advertising anytime you want, but you, you're not allowed to announce it publicly. If you do announce it publicly, you're going to have to pass out. And not only that, you understand that if you make a public statement about our shows or our audience, we'll go to war with you. I mean, this is, we, we cannot, mm-hmm. we take our brand's value in, in you know, dealing with advertisers that, that we believe in. And 
you don't get to just undercut us that way with our own audience without right. us blowing back on you. And, and I think that, broadly speaking, that's what the right needs to do at this point. If you're going to see MLB pull out of Atlanta, then they need to feel it in the ratings. If yeah. the NFL starts to go woke, they need to feel it in the ratings. Because I would prefer that we go back to neutrality, but we're never getting back to neutrality unless the left learns that, that this stuff is bad. And this, this really is important. You talk about this with um, uh, offices. You know, so many people just feel they're alone and they're not alone. They're in the majority, but nobody's afraid. Everybody's afraid to say something and you don't know who to trust. And so they just go in and they abide by these stupid things that they have to do, you know, examine their whiteness at Coca-Cola, et cetera, et cetera. And you're suggesting that they form a coalition, Right. I mean, this is what we have to understand about how these institutions weren't left in the first place. It wasn't because a broad majority of these institutions is in favor of these radical left policies. It's because you have the 10, 15, 20 percent of the people at any given corporation who are very loud and very intransigent. And then you have a bunch of people in the middle who just say, well, it's easier to give in to them than, than to fight them. And do we really want the headache? Well, you can do the same thing from the opposite point of view. You can renormalize an institution. If you have 20 percent of the corporation that says, listen, we just want to be neutral here. And it won't be 20. It'll be more like 50. And you get those people to sign a letter to the corporate head saying, listen, we're not doing this. This whiteness is bad. Diversity training with Robin D'Angelo nonsense. We're just we're not going to do it. We, we, we think that it's bad and we're, we're not willing to do it. Then the corporation has to decide between the 50 percent and the 20 percent. Right now, the corporation is deciding between the 20 percent and the zero percent. if People don't get mobilized and unified. Um, explain your theory on veganism, because I think this is a great okay. example. Yeah, so, I mean, to, to give full credit to the person who, who kind of gives this metaphor, uh, Nissan Nicholas Taleb, his metaphor is basically, let's say that you have a family of four, and one of the members of the family, usually the daughter, comes home and says, I'm a vegan today. Uh, and because I'm a vegan, mom, I need you to make me a vegan meal. And so mom now has a decision. She can make a meat meal for the rest of the family and a vegan meal for the daughter, or she can say to the whole family, listen, I don't have time, we're all eating vegan tonight. Well, now the daughter has successfully renormalized the family. The entire family is now eating vegan because you had one intransigent person who just refused to budge. Now you can take that entire family. There's a block party that night. There's maybe three other families there. They go to the people throwing the block party. They say, listen, we're all eating vegan because our daughter's eating vegan. You can give us a separate meal. That's fine. But you know, we're, we're just not going to eat the meat. Now the person who's the head of the block party has to decide whether to make a couple of separate meals. And maybe she says, well, you know, it's probably not worth the hassle. It's one night. Who cares? People can go vegan for one night. And now you got 16, 20 people who are all eating vegan because one person was intransigent about eating vegan. The same thing holds true in politics, and you see this all the time. This is this true in corporations. Yeah, th- this is uh, tyranny of the minority. It is, and and it and it can only work under a couple of conditions. One, you do need sort of a baseline level of support for the thing, usually about 15, 20 percent inside an organization. Two, you need to have them asking for incremental, non-supremely radical things. So this is what the left does. They don't go right away to, we need Robin D'Angelo teaching you the whiteness is bad. They start with, we need diversity training. Are you against diversity? Why don't you like diversity? Diversity is good. Are you racist? And then it moves on to, well, you know, diversity training really has to encompass teaching about the systemic racism of the American system. Mm-hmm. And but don't you think that, that systems have histories? And then they move from systemic racism to, well, you know, if we're going to acknowledge systemic racism, we, we certainly have to acknowledge that you are a beneficiary of white privilege. And if you're a beneficiary of white privilege, this means you suffer from whiteness. You can see the sort of step-by-step encroachment. Right. But the key is you don't go zero to 100 all at once. You, you start by, by slowly pushing the pedal, and eventually the pedal gets to the metal. Most people have to be acclimated to it. And if every concession seems like a minor concession, 
pretty soon you've moved a really long way. And this is true for virtually every social issue in the United States. I mean, how did we go from, you know, the, the, a time when Americans were, you know, thinking that no-fault divorce was, was controversial to men can be women and women can be men? I mean, that doesn't happen overnight. That takes a while, but it takes a lot of conciliation. It takes a lot of cowardice. And it takes a lot of incrementalism. The book that is out today is The Authoritarian Moment with Ben Shapiro. More with him in 60 seconds. Uh, I buy precious metals like gold and silver uh, for a couple of reasons. I'm a collector of antique things, and these are antique coins, but also as a hedge against insanity. Gold always is the is the uh, the the fault or the uh, default when everything got, has gone insane and there's nothing left, we reset to gold. In case you haven't noticed, there's an awful lot of insanity on the menu these days. Federal government is spending the U.S. dollar into the ground. And it's, I mean, it's predictable. We're not, the, the phrase uh, history repeats itself is not the right phrase. History is repeating itself right now. Goldline is giving away free silver with their extremely popular $5 gold Indian coins. With every qualifying order, you'll receive 10 brilliant uncirculated silver Kennedy half dollars at no additional cost. It's a great special on an already low cost item. If you're thinking about gold or silver, this is the perfect promotion for you from Goldline. They're standing by to talk to you about it. No pressure. Just get the information. 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or go to goldline.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Robert Reich uh, just tweeted out, in November 1923, Hitler's attempted coup failed, but no one was held accountable. Um, Yeah, they were. He went to prison. Ten years later, he took over Germany. Trump's January 21 uh, coup failed, but six and a half months later, Trump faces no consequences and his co-conspirators are still in Congress. Is Trump an authoritarian? I mean, Trump certainly didn't behave like an authoritarian in terms of what he was actually able to get done. Right. I think that Trump, has, he, he, he tends to use some strongman rhetoric because that's yes. just how he talks. Right. Um, but, you know, in terms of what did he actually do, the answer, of course, is no. I mean, this is why it was hysterically funny and, and pathetic when General Milley was talking about how this was like a Reichstag fire situation and he's a Hitlerian figure, it's like, what? I mean, you know how historically ignorant you have to be in order to come up with that? First of all, it doesn't even make any internal sense. The Reichstag fire was set by a deranged communist and then used as an excuse by the Nazis in order to pass the Enabling Act. So what was Trump's theory there? I'm going to send some of my friends over to, to set the Capitol on fire so I can then, what, declare myself total dictator? That doesn't, that doesn't even work internally. Beyond that, there was no institutional support for anything that Trump was saying or doing. And beyond that, this is not Nazi Germany circa 1932. I mean, the, the reality of, of Hitler's rise is so wildly misunderstood by people who have never read a book that it's kind of insane. I mean, people have to understand that when it comes to Hitler's rise, the key factor in, in Hitler's rise, there were two major key factors in Hitler's rise that people tend to ignore. One is that Hitler was pushing against the communists at the time. And so there were a lot of people who felt the necessity to choose between one and the other. Uh, and the other is that the the power of the German government had already been centralized. Hitler was, was a was a late term dictator. They, they'd already been operating under the auspices of minority governments with nearly dictatorial powers for right. several years by the time Hitler took took power. That is not the case with regard to to President Trump in any way, shape, or form. So the the, the historically the, the historical analogy just just doesn't work in any way. But I guess if you say Hitler and over and over, then then 
a president who was attempting to cut regulations and lower taxes suddenly looks like the guy who was trying to imprison every Jew and, and, and gas them and invade half of Europe. I mean, that's, that's a, it's amazing how, how you know, it's, it's, the, it's the godly law argument. You know you've lost when you started invoking Hitler. Um, I want to take, take you to the Old Testament here for a second. And uh, when God wants to destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, two angels go in. And the amazing thing about this story is um, uh, they're taken in for shelter. And, and the mob doesn't, the mob is insisting, not that they come out and, and say everything is okay, what you're doing. Instead, they must participate in what Gomorrah and Sodom and Gomorrah are doing. And we're at that point now. It, it's, it's no longer, hey, just let's be good to each other. Hey, that kind of hurts my feelings. Maybe don't say that. Now it's, you must say the things I believe, and you must participate in it. Yeah, that, that's one of the more disturbing things that's happened is that the way the left has won here is, again, a sort of incremental three-step process. Step one was saying to people, you know, you need to be civil. Just be civil. You know, like when we have a political conversation, don't mention this inconvenient fact because it really insults me and I feel bad about it. So just don't do that. And people on the right and Americans generally tend to want to be civil. And so they're like, okay, I guess I just won't say this quote-unquote offensive thing. Then it turned into, well, speech itself is violence. If you go ahead and you say that, it's not just that I'm offended. It's that you have done an act of violence against me and you must be shut up. You must be silenced. And then that turned even further into, into silence is violence. This is this nonsensical, right. ridiculous thing that you heard during the Black Lives Matter protest last year. If you don't mirror exactly what I am saying word for word, and I can change it on the dime, by the way, right? It doesn't have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. There doesn't have to be an internal logic. If you don't mirror that word for word, you've committed an act of violence. So in other words, if you're not part of the mob, then you ought to be targeted by the mob because you're performing an act of violence. I think one of the ways that the right completely misses the boat is that we're constantly looking for the through line for the left. We're constantly saying, like, what's their internal logic? What are they trying to accomplish? And the answer is power. There is no internal logic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ben Shapiro, thank you so much. I'd love to have you on for a a podcast about the book when we have more time. I know you're busy today. The book comes out today, The Authoritarian Moment by Ben Shapiro. Ben, thanks so much. God bless. Thanks, Glenn. You bet. Bye-bye. Uh, really good book. Uh, the, the things that I've learned just from hearing him talk about it. And he goes into history in the book. Pick it up today. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Now, exactly what Ben was talking about was we have to have them hear our voices. We have to have these people who are working against us hear our voices. And it's hard to do in some categories, but not when it comes to your mobile service. When it comes to your mobile service, why are you still using Verizon? Why are you still using the people that take their money and fund anti-Second Amendment, pro-abortion stuff? Why are we doing this? Patriot Mobile has the broadest nationwide coverage. It uses the same cell towers as the major carriers. So you're getting the same service. But they also have plans that fit any budget. You're going to get better customer service. You're going to save money. And you're not, you're, you're sending a message. Do you hear me now? Stop it. I'm not with you. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or call 972-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck, 972-PATRIOT. Do it now. Support a company that loves America, loves and shares your values. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or 972-PATRIOT. Do it right now. All right, it's blazetv.com slash Glenn. For Blaze TV, Studios America, Glenn TV, and so much more, save 10 bucks with the promo code Glenn.
This is the Glenn Beck Program. Tonight, on my Wednesday night special only on Blaze TV, I'm focusing on an alarming new strategy from the White House. It is something that no one is really talking about and everyone should be talking about. Uh, Big media has just rubber stamped this idea and it is it, it was put together by the national security council under biden and it is a blueprint for sweeping government action and it's called the national strategy for countering domestic terrorism it's on the whitehouse.gov website and what it spells out is terrifying it uh, focuses really only on, quote, violent extremists, principally those who promote the superiority of the white race. This has untold implications for the constitutional rights of all Americans. We're already seeing government surveillance systems turning their focus on U.S. citizens. What has happened because of January 6th is obscene. Uh, they have used the banking system. They have used the airlines. And only if you were in Washington, D.C., not because you were suspected of something, but they anyone who bought an airline ticket and was in Washington, D.C., anybody whose credit card went through to process anything in Washington, D.C., they got Airbnb to be involved. This is all unconstitutional. Tonight, Biden's new domestic terrorism threat, you. Tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, only on BlazeTV.com and BlazeTV YouTube. Don't miss this. Make sure you uh, uh, use the promo code uh, Beck. Or, or is it Glenn? Or Glenn. Yeah, yeah Glenn. Use, Glenn. Uh, use the promo code Glenn and uh, save. Right after a brand new Stu Does America. Oh, my gosh. By the way, is it, it must be an important show. You look kind of nervous. I've noticed you you got the, the jitters. You don't normally have that before You know, a you're not really a friend. Do you know that? You're no, not I, really a friend. I share things <laughs> off air, and you take it right on air. No, I, well, I am a friend, and I'm concerned uh-huh. because I've been, doing a, I've been doing the show with you for over 20 years yeah. now. Yeah. I was with you in the lead-up uh, to a speech in front of 500,000 people uh-huh. in Washington, D.C. Right. And I remember being in the room as you as you wrote that speech, uh-huh. and you were incredibly calm. She didn't show one sign of nerves. And then here's uh-huh. a show, a Wednesday show on Blaze TV. Yeah. I know it's a good yeah. show yeah. right after a brand new Studios yeah. America, but yeah. you seem yeah. a little nervous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, about some upcoming event. I can only mm-hmm. assume it's this Wednesday show. Yeah. Is there anything well, else? It is. Well, it is. It is? it is. It's it is? this show tonight. So nothing else going on this yeah. week, huh? I know uh, you got a Friday show. Is it the Friday mm-hmm. show, maybe? You're such a jerk. Is I it? tell Stu <laughs> off the air, you know I'm a next event guy. And mm-hmm. I don't know if any, I, mean, I have to explain that. I, I only am concerned about what is next on my schedule because my schedule is usually so full mm-hmm. that I can't worry about stuff. I've got to focus on what I'm focused on. So I only get excited or anything when it's next on my schedule. Right. This is so far from next on my schedule. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I have, I have three shows to produce and two charity events before Saturday. Mm-hmm. Why? What's Saturday? Is there something going Shut on Saturday? Up. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm having my first gallery showing at uh, park city fine art and I may need a bucket, a barf bucket. <laughs> Uh, because I am so nervous. It is, this is hilarious because Glenn is, yeah, I've done shows with Glenn for a million years. You're never nervous before shows. 
Like when you have to go out and talk in front of a big audience, you've done it a million times. You I just to, did it at CPAC. I just did it at CPAC. Two hours before I hadn't written my speech and they were like, are you going to write anything down? I'm like, nah, I got it. <laughs> right. I got it. You do shows in front of millions of people, obviously on the radio, on television all the time. This show is going to be in front of a few people. And I'm terrified. And it's selling your art and showing your art to people who may want to purchase it, mm-hmm. may want to enjoy it. They can get a, mm-hmm. you have, they have what, prints and all sorts of things. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Theoretically get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But your art is, is, is really good, unfortunately. I would like to say that it sucks. I would like to say this is a Hunter Biden situation, that you're clearly selling this for some sort of influence. But right. the, your art is really good, and people seem to really like it, which I I don't like that they like it. Right, I know To that. be clear, I, know I, I don't I know like that. That. That's, that goes to why you're saying this, what you're saying now. No, well, I, well, this is why I'm legitimately curious why you're why you're worried. I mean, you, you've... People have already, I don't the, know the reaction's already show, really positive to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I don't know if people are going to show up. I don't know if people show up are, I know people will show up to be supportive, and I love that. Thank mm-hmm. you. But I'm going to, you're going to make me barf. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody's going to uh, going to buy it. I have no idea. No idea. And it's like, this is so personal. I have no experience at this at all i was talking to somebody and they said do you have like business cards a way for people to get in touch with you to be able and i'm like no (laughs) i've worked with you for 20 years i don't know how to get in touch with you i know do do you do you have a a sheet an artist sheet on you know what you're no (laughs) i mean i have no idea what i'm doing i just i went into my house (laughs) two years ago Started taking lessons uh, because I was so frustrated. I painted my whole life, and I've I've hated them my whole life. And uh, and then I started taking lessons, and I got good. And much to my surprise, much to my surprise, and mine, and yeah, and everybody really, mm-hmm. they're for sale in a legitimate gallery. Yeah, legitimate gallery. Well, like, what's the name of it again? Park City Fine Art. Park City Fine Art. I yeah. mean. This is pretty impressive. And like I what I like about this moment is there's potential here that this could fail spectacularly and then I will have an incredible amount of material to torture you with. That is what I am excited you happy, about. Doesn't it? Yeah. It really I, you I are rooting for the <laughs> You can't. You have not stopped smiling this whole entire break. <laughs> because I know there's at least the potential of it. I my guess is it's going to do really well and I don't like that. But I think right. there's a potential that maybe I mean, how many people are out fail. there? I mean, all my proceeds go to charity. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, for this event, everything that I've I've produced for this event is all going to charity. Terrible idea, by the way. I totally don't oh, understand. My it. wife is like, uh, "How long is that going to go?" Because you know how much time you're spending on this, and I'm like, "Well, but yeah, but she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah." And I'm like, okay, okay. I don't know what yeah means, but okay. <laughs> Whatever yes. it meant, I'll yes, do. Dear. Whatever you say. Uh, so anyway, so everything this weekend is going for charity. But the, the art world is weird, and they set just prices, and I didn't have anything to do with it, and it was like, wow, but, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's going to, you know, to buy one of these things, and I th- how, many, how many Glenn Beck art fans are there? Three? Well, I've sold three paintings so far. I guess there's three. <laughs> I don't know. And they're, look, they're not Hunter Biden level prices, but they're way up there. Uh, now, there are ways for regular people to buy these two. Because, I mean, the ones you're selling, the actual originals are out of the price range of basically everybody. But, well, well, I mean, I would not say. Not people who run Amazon. 
<laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> right, right. You did it. You did it. Uh, maybe he could come in. And yeah, buy no, one, I mean, there. But... I know there are lots of listeners that uh, are on the wealthy end, but it takes a wealthy end to buy the originals. Right. Uh, but uh, it's a tax write off this time. I just want to say. Mm. Uh, the other uh, the the other part of that is. Um, uh, you you can buy. I, I I had them do posters and you know yeah that's uh, cool. limited run stuff, uh, and then what's called a giclee, which is like a limited run. It looks just like the painting, except it's not the original. And those are those are available as well. So there's, way, there's so. ways for I, people I, to be involved. I don't in know it. for sure, but you can call the art gallery or you can come up and and get it. But and, and this is a very above board uh, art show. What this does that the, mean? Well, I want to. Be. I mean, we're not. We're not. We're saying, not making the paintings in the back with like Asian no. gulag people. I mean, it's not. It's not what's happening. Here. What are you, they're not from Uyghur death camps. No, they're no. no none of this. No, you the canvas the, has not my, been produced by Uyghurs. No. My point though is, I'm interested in your perspective on this because you have basically the only unique perspective I think in all of conservative media on this topic. Which is you are with a very legitimate gallery and all of this is these are, you know, you've gone through this process in a somewhat similar way to the Hunter Biden situation. Separate, nah, I don't think well, so. Let me let me separate it. Yeah. Though. A, you've been painting for a very long time and there's yeah. a reason that people would want your art. So right. that, that's totally yeah, yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, would it be easy for some Russian oligarch that wanted to influence someone close to you? To come in here and throw a bunch of cash at your paintings and make it seem like they were art fans. I welcome it. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the whole thing. If I come on Monday and I'm like, you know what? Authoritarianism, not so bad. You know, Putin's a pretty good guy. Vladimir we'll all P. Be no- bought you all- should know that I don't mean it. I'm just saying because some guy bought up all my paintings. I'm totally cool with but that. But let's just put you in it. You, you, like you're well known for, let's say, being a relative of a highly powerful person here in the United States. This is a way that this is not like something conservatives are making up. This could happen in this scenario. This is happening. The art gallery or the art, the guy who runs the gallery, he has for the longest time trying to break in to the Chinese market. Okay, the, the hunter wants, gallery, the not hunter your gallery. gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mm-hmm. hunter gallery guy mm-hmm. is the one I've been wanting to break into the Chinese market. They are marketing Hunter Biden's paintings, not here. They're marketing them in China. Yeah, that's a big red flag. Like, so, I mean, and an actual red flag is right, what I'm talking right, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's clear what's going on there. Right, it's clear. There is, they, they make the argument, some of the people that defend Hunter Biden on this, and they'll say, look, he's a celebrity, and celebrity art goes for more than you'd normally get from for a normal artist. And, like, that might be true. However, like, I think so I'm Hunter a bigger Biden, celebrity. First of all, you're a much bigger celebrity. Secondly, like if Hunter Biden is a celebrity, first of all, it's, it's of Sad. the infamous variety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he's a celebrity in the United States of America. Why are you marketing to, marketing China. to China and probably the U- Ukraine and Russia? Yeah. Oh, yeah. These paintings. I mean, it makes no, no sense. sense. It so makes no transparent. sense. And this whole thing with him, uh, you know, I've, I'm doing uh, uh, some meet and greet thing with a bunch of the gallery's clients that buy this kind of art uh, tomorrow night and they're closing down the gallery and a few people are coming. Well, that's what Hunter Biden is doing with the buyers at his gallery, but you're not supposed to know who's buying the art. Well, the only people that are going to that, you know, little soiree 
are the people interested in buying your art and they're coming by invitation. It's not like I'm just going to stop by the they're coming right. by invitation. Mm. So how is it that Joe Bu- that uh, Hunter Biden is not going to know the people who are buying his art? You know, maybe there's somebody who walks in off the street and is like, I got to have one of those five hundred thousand dollar paintings. I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, but maybe there is. And he wouldn't know that guy. But if you're going to the cocktail party beforehand, that is by invitation for people who are going to buy the art. Hello. And you don't come if you're you already know what the art looks like. You're, you're not coming to the place. Usually. I mean, you have interest, right? You have interest. Doesn't right. mean you're going to buy it. You have interest. I, this is so bad. It's so bad there. And I will say this. There's absolutely no chance. He does not find out who bought this art. Absolutely. No, it is no the, chance of it. It is the most. Crass and obvious. Uh scam money laundering scam i've ever i mean it's so obvious yeah and i would i would expect joe biden in this situation honestly even though i think nothing of the guy i would think joe biden would be on television saying look i love my son he's obviously had massive problems throughout his life he should know that the problems this creates for the for the work i'm trying to do in washington that we all believe in Mm-mm. it's it creates all Mm-mm. sorts of problems and for a little bit of money in a short term that he's probably going to spend on crack, it's not worth it. Instead, he's he's coming up with justifications as if it's legitimate. Part of it. If your if your paintings are five hundred thousand dollars a piece, okay, you're going to walk away with five million dollars. You're going to walk away with five million dollars when it's lot. all said and done. That's a lot of money. It's and lot. if Joe Biden's getting half of it, which apparently the Hunter Biden laptop proves. If he's getting a, if he's getting part of it. That's a lot of money for his retirement. And remember, he's Joe Biden is United not States, the guy though. we used to think he was. We used to think he was a very liberal guy, but he was a goofball, etc. He's not. No, he's very he corrupt. He is a very corrupt. And I think the way he's handled this situation is such a strong signal that proves that all the work that Peter Schweizer's done previously. Remember, before all of this, he was saying Joe Biden was the most corrupt vice president Correct. in American history before any of this with Ukraine or anything ever came out. Uh, if you if you're interested in any of the details, it's uh, parkcityfineart.com. They don't sell anything from Hunter Biden. Um, <laughs> relief factor. Maybe it's a round of golf that you want to uh, play. You can't anymore. Get on the floor and wrestle with your kids or your grandkids, and you can't because of pain. I wanted to paint again, and I couldn't. Two and a half years ago, I could barely use my hands from the pain. It's gone now, thanks to relief factor. Things you can't do because you're living with pain. Don't give up. I know there's a ton of people that have gotten free of their pain, like me, with Relief Factor. Just try it. Try it for three weeks, the quick start. If it doesn't work for you in three weeks, it's most likely not going to work. So you'll be out 1995. But in those three weeks, if you start to see a lessening of pain, keep taking it. Because I'm telling you, it works. ReliefFactor.com, 800-500-8384. It doesn't work for everybody, but about 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. ReliefFactor.com, 800-500-8384. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We are very concerned about one of our own, and um, we would ask for your prayers for Stephen Crowder. 
Stephen uh, tweeted something last night. He had a minor lung collapse. He has been in the hospital now for a while. He had to have surgery where they put titanium rods into his chest uh, because he has some connective tissue disorder that uh, causes his chest to cave in on his heart. And so he doesn't have the blood flow that he he needs. So they put these titanium rods into his chest and he was recovering in the hospital. His lung collapsed. He's having more surgery. And we just uh, we would ask that you would keep him in uh, your prayers. He is a. A tremendous force for good uh, and works all the time, all the time. He is a hardworking man, uh, and uh, we're concerned about him. He's, he says last night it was a minor lung collapse. I don't know if I ever called those minor, minor lung collapse, uh, and he's going to be on the road to recovery. It's just going to take him longer. This is the Glenn Beck Program.